0: let me start by explaining i know you might see this is incendiary malicious even creepy call it what you will but believe me nothing is further from the truth the fact is i've been to see a therapist just as you advised me so thoughtful of you to think of it i know you think it's mumbo jumbo so did i but believe me you'll see the benefits "'You urged me in your most concerned voice "'right after York Way Friday "'when you were still in full guilt mode. "'And how right you were. "'I'm seeing the benefits already. "'I really am. "'Anyway, she told me... "'Incidentally, her name is Helen Bunyan. "'Can you believe that? "'And she tilts her head to the side when I talk, "'like a little sparrow. "'I think it's supposed to let me know "'I have her complete undivided attention.' She told me that getting it all out there would be a vital part of my recovery process. That's exactly how she said it. A vital part of my recovery process. So what can I do? I don't want to impede my recovery process. And Helen Bunyan really is so very concerned about my welfare. So out there, it shall get. Now, I'm aware you will worry about the risk of other people reading this, And it all becoming public. And believe me, if I can get this out there without risking exposure and all the problems that will bring, of course I'll do it. I only have your best interests at heart. You know that. But I'm sure you understand, having experienced the benefits of therapy yourself, that one has to be totally honest. No, what's that word they use instead these days? Transparent. Totally transparent no matter how painful. So that's what I shall be, as part of my recovery process. I can feel it working already. Thank you so much for suggesting it. Helen Bunyan, she wants me to call her Helen, and you can understand why, but I find it so difficult. It's like calling a teacher by her first name, quite wrong somehow, has told me I should be journaling my emotions. Did you know that was a verb now, to journal? It's one of those funny made-up verbs that really ought to remain nouns, like to impact. Helen used that one too, funnily enough. She said you'd impacted catastrophically on my life. Catastrophically is a very strong word, don't you think? Still, you'd imagine a trained therapist would know what they were talking about, wouldn't you? so I'll have to assume she has some basis. So now I'm to journal my emotions. This, too, will be a fundamental part of my recovery process, or so I'm led to believe. I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Since you've been gone, I've missed having someone to talk to. Remember how we used to dissect every last detail of our lives... In those interminable emails we pinged back and forth all day long. Our relationship would never have got off the ground if we'd had proper jobs, you often said, making the phrase proper jobs sound like something black and slimy you'd found in your salad. And you were, of course, right. Fifty, seventy, a hundred emails a day, only possible because we both spend so much time online sitting solitarily in front of computer screens for hours at a stretch. You at the swanky Fitzrovia offices of the Record Company, where you're both boss and star producer, or else in your small but perfectly formed study converted from the top-floor box room of your gorgeous, detached, pale-pink St. John's Wood Villa. I know you've always maintained you like the view over the gardens and the rooftops, but that box room always seemed such a perverse choice, when you could have had the run of the house. Sad fuck-in-a-box, you used to head your emails. Me in my partitioned cubbyhole in my shabby South London three-bed terrace, largely staring into space. Musings of a sad fuck-in-a-box. The message would ping into my inbox. To me, Tilly was just being provocative. And the truth is, I don't feel guilty. Not about any of it. I'm sure I ought to, but I actually don't. "'Guilt is so plebeian,' you used to say dismissively. "'You always thought of it as a wasted emotion, and of course you were right. "'So clever of you to classify emotions like that, according to their usefulness. "'I must start doing the same, I really must. "'Cutting out the emotional chaff must make your inner life so much more efficient. "'You must have the Volkswagen of inner lives, Clive.' I've got to hand it to you. You know, I can forgive the fact I begged you to warn me in advance if you were dumping me, and you still let me turn up at that restaurant on York Way Friday with a jaunty impatience, and unwashed hair, and only my second-best jeans. I can forgive the way you told me it was over before I'd even taken off my coat, and then somehow expected we'd find a way of filling the next three torturous hours— "'me with my arm still halfway in my sleeve. "'I can forgive that awful, excruciating, pain-ridden lunch "'while the waitress hovered uncertainly around the uneaten food, "'a smile stretching her face as if it might snap, "'and I tried not to meet anyone's eye. "'I can even forgive you asking for a receipt. "'Even goodbyes, it seems, a tax-deductible. "'But what I can't forgive is the way you scurried off so gratefully when we got outside and I told you to go. You were halfway down York Way, your laptop bag bouncing insistently against your back, before I realised you really were going to leave me there, crying in the rain. Silly Sally, you used to write in your emails. Now, before you say anything, I know you're cross with me. I got your email last night and I'm doing my absolute best to understand how you feel. This journaling is really improving my understanding skills. I think you'd be pleased. Please try to understand just a little, you pleaded shortly before you left me crying on York Way Friday. Just try to see things from my point of view... I think I might be starting to get the hang of it now, this empathising thing, this seeing things from other people's points of view. It has a lot to recommend it. So now I'm asking you to try to see this from my perspective. Show a little empathy. You must have picked up a lot of that from your own therapist. Goodness knows you've had enough sessions. Mind you, you always did like to hear yourself talk. I remember you coming back from that first meeting with a therapist, so pleased with yourself. I had her completely wrong-footed, you crowed. She had no idea what to make of me. I didn't fit into any of her neat little boxes, you see. But still, you'd think something would have rubbed off from all those sessions. Some sort of self-awareness. So I hope you'll try to understand. There I was last night and I started thinking about Susan and wondering how she was. I know Susan and I haven't exactly been best friends. That Aussie accent can get in the way, rather, don't you think? Softened, though it undoubtedly is, after nearly three decades in the UK. More like close acquaintances. But I always liked her. Sometimes I used to think I liked her more than you did. I don't want Susan to end up lonely, I'd say magnanimously. She doesn't deserve it. Or, how can we build our happiness on Susan's misery? You'd always make a pained face when I talked like that. I feel just awful about Susan, you'd say. Those were the words you always used to describe your guilt about her. Awful, dreadful, wretched. But when two people are as much in love as we are, surely we have a duty to be together, To be happy. And anyway, Susan would be okay, you'd always say. She was so very capable, so terribly resourceful. You made her sound like a library. Now, I have to admit, that word, bitch, in last night's email did hurt. Do you know, I had to break off from reading it and actually look up other emails from the past, cheerier ones, like the one in which you'd said you would kill anyone who ever hurt me. I know that sounds naff, but that's how you make me feel. You've written, it's something very primeval. Primeval. What an interesting choice of words. You know, now I come to think about it, that's kind of how I feel a lot of the time at the moment. Primeval. You know, the interesting thing is that subconsciously, I believe I was actually hoping the you who wrote the first email would protect me from the you who wrote the second. Isn't that ridiculous? I should probably save that up and tell it to Helen at the next session. She's really big on the subconscious. It'd be like taking an apple to the teacher. Anyway, last night I was thinking about Susan. I do that quite a lot since you painted such a vivid picture of your life together. It's been so useful because now I can visualise what she's doing at any time of the day. It makes me feel closer to her somehow. I know that after dinner, the two of you tend to slope off together to the second floor of your lovely St John's Wood house, where you have a cosy duck-egg-blue sitting room with French windows leading out onto a private roof terrace. There you lounge on the vast designer daybed with Susan's ancient flatulent dachshund and read the papers and watch the telly and comment on the things you've seen or read just shitty chat really you'd assured me nothing like the range and depth of the things you and i talk about so last night i was just a teeny bit at a loose end these evenings are so long don't you find that yawning gap between dinner and oblivion and I started imagining Susan and you relaxing on the plump velvet cushions. In my head, I'd already followed you through your routine. I knew that you'd eat in your gleaming, double-height, glass-roofed kitchen, sitting around the blonde wood square table where Daniel and I enjoyed several dinner parties. So strange to think of it now. You'd probably have eaten in the company of your son, Liam, who I never got to meet, and one of his gorgeous, big-toothed, shiny-haired sloney girlfriends— with their impossibly long legs. And after you'd done the clearing away, your way of showing appreciation for whatever culinary delights Susan had brought home from her upmarket catering firm, successful businesswoman, wife, mother, so very, very capable, the two of you would have made your way upstairs. And suddenly this idea came to me to call Susan. Don't laugh but I've always thought the two of us would be closer if circumstances were different. Sometimes I've allowed myself to imagine calling in for coffee on Susan's days off and sitting chatting over the kitchen table while you sit working at your computer in your top-floor office. Maybe the three of us could go off and get a bite of lunch a little later on. So I called Susan's number. Hello, stranger, she said. "'and I imagined her meeting your mildly quizzical gaze "'and mouthing the word Sally before lying back on the cushions "'so she didn't see how your mouth froze into an O shape "'or your fingers shook as they gripped the edges of the times. "'I didn't even know what I was planning to say to her "'until I actually heard her voice. "'That unfortunate down-under accent "'gives her a rather no-nonsense type of voice, doesn't it, "'to match her tall athletic frame.' like I imagine a P.E. mistress might have. Not that I have personal experience of such things.